and welcome to another episode of the Pelican Project Podcast. I'm Crystal. And I'm Kelly. We want to welcome you, invite you as always, pull up a chair to our table and join us in the conversation. So we've had, Kelly, kind of an exciting week for us. Very busy. Very busy. We've done a few few workshops. We went and spoke um, both to some middle school students at a lovely Catholic school. And then we had an opportunity here in my home parish to speak with some parents about the mission of the Pelican Project and what it is to be seen, known, and loved by God. So really yeah. cool. Those were awesome. I think I think um, the presentation with the kids, so we did middle schoolers in right. Augusta, in a Catholic school in Augusta, it was, I love talking to kids. That's my favorite audience. Um, I also do love talking to parents. Maybe it's just different, but the right. kids. It's a different I mean, sort of energy, I think. For sure. And I don't mind. I have four wiggle worms. So I don't mind when kids are wiggling and moving. And um, I don't know. That's that's just a cool energy for me. So I thought that was really neat. The kids were, were so well catechized. Um, so that was fun. And then the one that we did for adults was awesome. Like, I don't think, you know, we could have planned it any better for it being our first one. And so now this workshop is available, you know, to do certainly in like the Southeast region, close to where we live in person for now. And then we are going to have a virtual one coming up where you can actually join us online for this Seen, Known, and Love workshop. So we will have more information about that next week. It's going to be on April 18th, um, and you're going to have to sign up. But that will be on our website maybe next week where you can start signing up for that. Yep. No, very exciting. Yep, and we'll actually make the official announcement, I think. Are we ready Ready to tell everybody where what's up next for yeah, the Pelican yeah. Project? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Right. So um, we'll be making the official announcement for the next um, online workshop via EWTN. We have been invited very graciously to be on the Jim and Joy at Home show on EWTN. So super exciting. I'm not nervous at all. No. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm just an old pro at this. So no, I'm just kidding. I was on the Jim and Joy show a few years ago for the Pregnancy Resource Center that we started. And it was such a cool experience being at EWTN and just, you know, because we love Mother Angelica. So just being in that space that she started and knowing how on fire she was and how the Holy Spirit just, just really provided in an radical way for the Catholic community all over the world. I mean, EWTN, it, you know, is all over the world. So it was so cool to be in that space and just to see the holy, faithful people that work there and are part of that community. And I am so excited to be going back and going back with you. And of course, our friend Teresa will be coming along, watching the taping. And yeah, we do two shows. Right. And it's an interview and it's, yeah. Right. So we're set to go and tape the show on mm-hmm. March 27th. And then tentative air dates that we have are crazy turnaround. So it's actually March 29th and 30th. On the Which is insane to me. It seems like such a fast turnaround. I 
I mean, I know how long it takes me just to edit this podcast. (laughs) I know, right? We need, we need time. And they do two shows in like a day. I don't know how they do it. A whole team of people working together. Imagine that. A whole team of people. That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So that will be really cool. We have to have, you know, we have to coordinate our outfits. We have to, you know. I have no idea. You know, very serious stuff here. (laughs) Right. Very, yeah. Important decision making. I might even get a haircut. I don't know. I've already made my appointment. No. That's so funny. I mean, it's funny because that's always the last thing we think about. Like we do the podcast behind a screen and then we just, I just, we just mom it and we go and we do the workshop, you know, and you're just, you're just doing it. I don't ever think about that stuff. And then we're like, oh, we're going to be on TV. Like, <laughs> Maybe I should do something about this. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get a brush out, brush my hair. Right. Good stuff. But here we are. We are in the fourth reflections from the fourth Sunday of Lent. We're more than halfway through at this point. It's crazy. It's awesome. Seems to be going quickly. So this week's reflections really, um, really focus on keeping our gaze on heaven. Yeah. So when I was stationed at Fort Bliss. Fort Bliss is in El Paso, Texas. I had the blessing of being able to climb the North Franklin Mountains. And they were they were beautiful. It is unique landscape down there, something that I had never seen before. So it was just a allowing God, um, you know, God was just revealing his his goodness and his beauty. And I was able to just enter into that. It was wonderful. So we went climbing and I got to the top of the North Franklin mountain for the first time. I was with a group of people and I, I got there at the back of the pack. So when I finally got to the top, I was by myself. Everyone had kind of made their way back down. And, um, I spent a few minutes up there completely by myself and it was so beautiful on, on one side, I was able to look out and see, um, New Mexico, on the other side, I was able to look out into El Paso, into Texas. And then on the other side, you're looking actually down into Juarez, Mexico. And it was just standing in the silence on top of that mountain. I, I was just watching the world continue on. And I wasn't down there doing, you know, all the things that I thought, you know, I quote unquote need to be doing, you know, the carpooling, the working ministry, the grocery shopping, finishing homework, returning emails, like all the stuff that we do that keeps ourselves busy. I was up here and the world was going on below me. And I, I asked myself, you know, I remember thinking, like, how long can this all continue on without me? And when I realized the answer was indefinitely, I felt an, an unexpected peace in that. At that moment, I was given this beautiful grace of clarity that I am, I exist, I am Kelly, not because I am needed, but because I'm wanted. Um, and that really reminded me. Um, of this Sunday's gospel story of the the blind man where Jesus restores his sight and he asks the blind man, do you believe in me? And just the blind man has this just beautifully honest reaction of, it's like overwhelming awe, like, yes, I do believe in you, Lord. And I kind of had that moment where I was just given this, this clarity. I was, you know, we're talking about our gaze onto heaven. Like my gaze lifted upward in just such a really beautiful way. 
I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that maybe I had not yet experienced. And it was just, my heart was just, you know, yelling up to the Lord, like, Lord, I believe in you because of how small and insignificant I feel. And yet I still am. It was lovely and it was beautiful. And I think what that allowed me to do, you know, is as I was kind of praying through that, especially I was coming back down the mountain, you know, just realizing while I'm small, while I'm sinful, while I'm insignificant, it is our heavenly father that gives me dignity and purpose because he loves me so much. And it was this beautiful moment of surrender that I experienced and that I really have felt different ever since that moment, realizing that I can surrender to him and I can keep my gaze on heaven because I really do believe that he is there. Even though I'm not walking always on the top of a mountain and looking up and, and you know having those beautiful moments, that memory is was a grace that stays with me. It's beautiful. Recognizing that I cannot be my own savior and that's okay because he's there and, he, and he's got it. Um, so as we we worked through this um, this reflection for this week, one of the most beautiful, overwhelming moments for me personally, when I am reading through scripture, reading through the gospel, and I'm reading through the story of, of the passion and the resurrection, the most overwhelming day for me in the entirety of Jesus Christ's whole life, death experience is Holy Saturday. And I, I say that and some people are like, well, that's kind of weird. There's not a right. whole lot going that's, on that day. That's different. <laughs> right? Not heard that before. Right. And I, and I know, and I'm like, but, but think about this. Like I think about, you know, backing up a day, Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross and we have Mary and she's at the foot of the cross, you know, we have John at the foot of the cross, but I, I focus specifically on Mary and Jesus Christ, her son and savior dies. He has been brutally tortured. He has been treated terribly. He has suffered more than any human being will ever suffer. And he takes his last breath and literally the earth trembles. He takes his last breath. Darkness comes over. And then what? There's silence. There's like you know, in those moments where like your breath gets caught in your throat because you, you just don't know what to do next. And I can only imagine that like they take down Jesus's body from the cross. And so, you know, as a mom, when you're doing, you're able to sort of say, okay, I'm going to process all this later because you're doing like you're, you're acting, you're okay. I'm, I'm doing stuff. I am fixing stuff. I'm still in the problem. Like we get into that, that mindset. Doing what needs to be done in the moment. Doing what needs to be done. Right. But what happened in that moment when his body was, was cared for, you know, his body was cleaned and and rotten, all that. And Mary had to physically turn around, like physically turn around from her son and walk away. And then what were those first few moments when she stepped back into the darkness of her home and and I can picture her sitting down on her her bed what was that first deep breath was it filled with just unbelievable just tears and anguish can you imagine the adrenaline let down 
I just think about her in the silence of that moment on, you know, late, late, late Good Friday. And eventually she falls asleep on, on, on Good Friday. She falls asleep after Jesus dies because she's human. She had to, she, you know, she falls asleep and then she wakes up and you know, those first moments and praise be to God, I have never experienced extraordinary suffering like this, but there has been really difficult moments where you wake up the next morning and it's like your eyes wake up and they're already heavy. They're swollen from crying and you wake up and you're, everything comes back. Like the memory of what happened comes back and you realize like, this is day one of what this new reality looks like, that he died yesterday and yesterday's over. I will never walk another day where this is not a part of my life, that this didn't happen. And I just think of that whole entire day and I think about Mary. And so often I think, you know, going back to that, that experience on the North Franklin Mountain, you know, recognizing that. I cannot be my own savior and that I'm so insignificant is such a, I think that was such a blessing moment for me because so many of us are tempted to despair in this kind of this quote unquote waiting of Holy Saturday. When we don't see the miracle, we feel like literally everything that God had promised, like, where is it now, God? Because I'm pretty sure you just died and I don't see resolution. I don't see a kingdom. I don't see any of it. And we have this, this temptation to despair. And my experience on the North Franklin mountain was like, you cannot white knuckle it. You cannot be your own savior. He, he has shown himself to be an almighty God. So let him be an almighty God, even in the waiting, even in the absolute complete and utter silence of Holy Saturday. Let him be there. And, um, you know, I think about Mary, Mary, Mary did perfectly let God be her savior in those moments. She didn't wake up confused. She didn't wake up uncertain that he still had a plan. She didn't wake up in despair. She woke up trusting I don't necessarily understand what's happening. And my heart is broken because I saw my beloved son be so badly hurt and die. And he's not here with me in this moment. I can't wrap my arms around his neck and hug him and care for him. But I trust that he is still in control. And, you know, we talk about, you know, at, at one point we talked about this kind of it's when you don't see the miracle. Holy Saturday is that day when you don't see the miracle. What, what's going on when you don't see the miracle? And it's so important to remember. And of course, you know, you know, I got to do it. Dr. Peter Kraft. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I love him. I love him. Dr. Peter Kraft, I love you. Um, he's just, he's a brilliant man. And I love how he writes. It really connects with me. Um, and he said, he said something so beautifully about Good Friday and Holy Saturday. We know that Satan's end was God's means. And so many of us get caught up in Satan's end. When Satan seems to get the last, quote unquote, get the last word. When Satan seems to be louder. When evil seems to triumph. But the reality is, is that the waiting of Holy Saturday, we may not have seen the miracle in that moment. 
but I mean, heaven and earth was moving in the most um, incredible way. The human words cannot explain what was happening in the waiting of Holy Saturday. Our Lord Jesus Christ descended into hell and then he ascended into heaven. He opened the gates of heaven and all of this is happening in this, in this quote unquote silence of Holy Saturday. I mean, that's incredible that all this is going on. The biggest miracle that has ever happened in the history of humanity. And Mary trusted in that. And it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan, but she still suffered. Absolutely. But she still suffered. And, you know, for me, it just, it's been so important um, for me to remember that, that my suffering is not evidence that God has abandoned me or that he's not there or that he's not completely in control. And sometimes he allows evil to be loud. Sometimes he allows that the crucifixion was pretty loud. It was, it was, it was such a noise in our hearts, but he always has a plan and and he's always triumphant. And, you know, of course, you know, like we say, every Easter Sunday has a good Friday. So, you know, for me, it was just Holy Saturday is just so profound for me and sitting with Mary and praying with her through that waiting of Holy Saturday and allowing her to say, okay, it hurts and we're crying and we're aching, but we're trusting and we are never tempted to despair. Our gaze is on heaven, period. And we don't lower it because our Lord and Savior does not ever fail us, period, ever. So we don't ever need to lower it. Yeah. Full stop. So yeah, that's, that's for me, you know, and we also talk a little bit about just, just kind of a cool visual, you know, that we have in the gospels of keeping our, our gaze on heaven. When Peter was walking out on water, you know, yeah. when he keeps his gaze on, on our Lord, on heaven, you know, heaven is being with our Lord. He keeps his gaze on our Lord and he's fine. But then he looks down, he lets his gaze lower and, and he starts thinking he's tempted to, to, despair. He's tempted to kind of rely on himself. He's tempted to, you know, allow his anxiety to get the best of him. Yeah. Anxiety gets, and he sinks. But I, and I love that. If you go and you read that, that story in scripture, I love that the next line is immediately Jesus puts out his hand to lift him back up. Like immediately, if you are tempted to despair, if your gaze lowers, if you get into that, um, that doubt, just know as soon as you lift your gaze back up, our Lord will immediately raise you up. Like, do not worry that he is not standing there with his hands outstretched because he does. So it's just, this is just so beautiful for me. I just, so much imagery this week. (laughs) I know. Yeah, it is. It's great. And I love that. I love that the gospel does that for us and allows us to enter into, you know, and that's the beauty of Lent, allowing us to kind of enter into this walk of truly carrying our cross and understanding what that means. And, and, you know, as parents, what that means is we need to teach our children that they are going to experience suffering. There is going to be periods of time where their heart is aching and they're feeling like evil gets to be loud and they don't necessarily see the miracle unfolding before them. They, you know, they don't have like, you know, doubting Thomas, they're not able to like reach into the wounds of our Lord and be like, see, see, this is all real. It's just that that silence of Holy Saturday of like, where are you, Lord? I know you're there. Right. I need to trust in that. And that's that's teaching our kids, especially when we're talking about the, you know, reawakening and culture of life. So many times people point to suffering to justify 
the, the taking of human life. We're going to justify abortion because we have an overwhelming number of children in foster care. Nope. That's, that's not how that works. We're going to justify euthanasia because somebody is physically suffering a, a, a painful death. Nope. That's not how that works. No, no. There's beauty in that suffering. There's, there's change that is happening. Yes. That's how, that's how he's molding us, if you will, I think into the people um, that we're going to be, that we're supposed to be. That's how it's like, it's, that's what forces us to change in a way. That's that's the beauty of, of giving our soul to him as his canvas. And sometimes the process of making a masterpiece it's, it's dirty and it's busy and it's hard. And you know, you are, you are, there's hard edges and there's chiseling and there's forming and molding and all of these things that happen. But you know, St. St. Therese of Lisieux, the world is thy ship, not thy home, you know? And, and sure, I, I will pause this to say, I have never suffered so deeply, um, you know, physical pain where I'm just saying like, Oh, but you know, it's no big deal. Deal with it. I can't imagine being in a space where I have some sort of terminal disease or, or um, illness and I'm suffering and I'm, I'm really in a bad space. I, and I don't know what that feels like, but I do know that our Lord tells us that he is sovereign. He is in control and that there is a beautiful gift in that surrender and allowing other people to care um, and watch this, you know, waiting of Holy Saturday happen in all different seasons of our life. Right. And not just for, you know, not just that it, it's, we've not necessarily experienced that, but also in some cases that we've not experienced having to watch someone else be in that situation, which is sometimes in my harder yeah. <laughs> to watch someone else be suffering and not, and feeling sort of helpless in that situation. But like you said, knowing that this is actually a part of his plan. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I mean, we had, um, Fred's mom was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and it was, it was devastating and it came out of left field. And then all of a sudden it was like stage four cancer. I mean, she went into the hospital in pain and she left with hospice. I mean, it was like, Oh, I'm healthy. Oh, I have stage four cancer. Oh, I'm dying. I mean, that's how quick it was. And I remember, um, hospice brought her home and she was in her hospital bed in the living room of the, the, her family home. So she grew up in that home. She got actually married in that house. Um, yep. They weren't Catholic. So they got married in the house to her dad. And then she lived there with her husband and her mom, who she then cared for. I mean, that home was her entire life. And then she's, she's, I think she was, I am not kidding you. I think she was born in the house. I know this sounds crazy, but I think that's what they also said that her, her mom gave birth to her in that house. Wow. I know truly. And then she laid in a bed in that house in, in hospice and she, she was suffering. Um, and it was, I remember, you know, I would, I had been newly married into the family and I was only 19. So, I mean, like we were, I was a right. kid and, um, well at this point, I think I was probably maybe 21 and my father-in-law and you know, all of the family members, the cousins, the aunts, it's just a beautiful, loving family and watching her suffer and watching the men in her life, her sons and her husband be able to so tenderly care for her after she had 
so wonderfully cared for them their whole life. I mean, there was something so beautiful about that. And that's something that they, they have a memory of. Yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. And, and watching that suffering was so hard, but there was incredible beauty in it um, in a way that I, it's hard to put into words. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Love. love. Absolutely. But truly willing the good of the other and, and it being so difficult, but then recognizing that, you know, we're still praying for her, you know, repose of her soul and, and hopefully she's with our Lord right now, or at least we'll be soon. Beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah, we're praying with you guys, especially if you are right now in this season of Lent experiencing some suffering. If this is a quote unquote Holy Saturday for you, you're in a waiting, you know, whether it's it's a suffering of a relationship or physical suffering or just suffering as a parent, like we do sometimes when our children are are not doing well. That is really hard on a parent's heart. So we are praying for you guys right now. Um, keep your gaze on heaven and sit with Mary in the quiet of Holy Saturday and know that God has not, not abandoned you, that he is working for you and with you and in you because he loves you so much. So just hold on to that. Hold on to the promise of Easter. Amen.